0: Everyone, Welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green. Good
1: hello. Morning.
2: Good morning. Good, good morning. morning.
1: Hello. <laughs> Changing it up today.
2: <laughs> He's got the smile. Changing it
1: up. Instead of a general good morning, we'll say
2: hello. Hello. Aww. Welcome. I think that was sweeter. <laughs> That's awesome. I could feel the joy.
0: I know, right? I think there's a lot of joy going on over at the Green household as you guys are preparing for... Babyness.
1: Is that what people call week 38 to 40 of pregnancy? Joy filled. <laughs> it should be. It should be. It's the nesting. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys all ready? I think that the best word that summarizes it would be anticipation. Uh, which cause that implies the difficulty, the anxiousness, the frustration, yeah. the joy, the readiness. We are good with everything other than I get reminded pretty much every day that our bag is not packed. Her clothes are ready to go in the bag, but I only (laughs) have two pairs of shorts there, and I've not packed anything else. That's all you need now. I'm like, what else do I need? I can wear the same clothes for three days. You can wear...
0: Four days? Just get some scrubs.
2: Yeah, why not? (laughs) I mean, we know some folks who have had a little bit of an incident where they needed some clean
1: clothes. I have heard clean about clothes. that, yeah. <laughs> ah, that's true.
2: <laughs> but we don't need, that's not our story We're to share. We're changing
1: the rating on this podcast today.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Well, Mitch, we are excited for you, man. Thank and you. can't wait to see this little Yeah, boy. so you
1: might not, I might not be on next week, I might not be on the week after that, you never know. You never know. One week I just won't be here.
2: Yeah.
0: And you'll know what's going on. yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, uh, as we get started today, we do want to let you know about our Easter services that are coming up in, I mean, really just about a month now, mm-hmm. uh, a little less than a month. Uh, Easter Sunday is Sunday, April 4th. Is that correct?
1: That's yeah. correct. Oh, I got it
0: right. I didn't even have to look. Yeah. All right. And uh, we're actually, uh, that whole weekend, we have services planned. Mitch, would you, would you kind of unpack like all the, the services that we have planned for Easter weekend?
1: Put me on the spot. Yes. So Friday night... Good Friday service is at 6.30 right. p.m. Yep. here at the church. One service. Saturday night, 6.30 p.m., we're going to have an Easter service here at the church. And then we've got our normal services Sunday morning, 9 a.m. and 10.45. But none of them are normal because it's Easter. It's Easter. That's right.
0: <laughs> well, cool. I'm I'm excited for Easter Sunday. I'm excited for celebrating the resurrection of our Lord together and— um Man, I, I hope that we get to see our church family just come together, worship, celebrate. Hey, and the let's Lord. hold
1: ourselves accountable. We'll have invite cards at the counter yeah. this Sunday. Yeah. Because Chris and I will be printing them and cutting them before <laughs> Sunday. So right. if we tell you that, they have to be there. Yeah. So invite cards this Sunday. Invite people to Easter with you.
0: That's right. That's a big deal for us here at Stones because we want to make sure that people—I mean, I, I feel like there's a ton of people in our communities around us that— are looking for places to worship on mm-hmm. Easter Sunday. Like, they want to come to an Easter service. So invite your friends, invite your coworkers, Absolutely. invite your neighbors. Absolutely, yeah. So it might
1: feel like deja vu, but you're probably going to hear Ariel say the same thing on Sunday morning in the announcement video. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. yep, almost verbatim. But, <laughs> hey, you know something else I would like to challenge our our church family, too, that if you haven't been back to church yet and you don't have health reasons holding you back, we would love to see you yeah. Easter Sunday. Actually, this Sunday, we would love to see you back with your family. Um, there's just something about corporate worship that is um, that is so magnificent that the Lord will work through the body of Christ to minister to each other. So mm-hmm. come be with us in person if you can.
0: Well, you guys, this last week, Pastor Scott preached on uh, John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. This was the second in the series, uh, I Am, where we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. And this really focused on the idea of Jesus being the good shepherd. Um, It was so interesting because... We've been talking about shepherds so much because of Psalm 23, and, yeah. and now we're coming right back to it and and looking at it, a little bit of a different angle, though. Um, I think he pulled out some some different things, which I thought was really, really cool, um, and we have a lot to talk about with this. There was so much good stuff in here, but Ariel, would you go ahead and read for us? Um, I just want to kind of maybe center around verses 10 through 18 here. Would you read that section Absolutely,
2: for us? Absolutely, yes. Verse 10.
0: My goodness, this passage has so much that we could unpack and so much that, <laughs> that we could talk about with all this. But um, I, I do want to focus on just a few things. And, and, and ultimately, you know, one of the th- first things that Scott said about this particular I am statement is that this is Jesus' most personal I am statement that he says, the most relational, because he said the other ones tend to focus on exactly what Jesus does for us, and this one seems to focus more on how Jesus feels about us, mm-hmm. how God feels about us. And, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, you know, um, one of the, and it almost becomes a cliche in like evangelism and, and, and in Christian circles and things like that, to say like, oh, God loves you, you know, God loves you. Um, but, you know, as, as someone who, you know, formerly was a Christian skeptic, um, why would we say something like that and, and, and how can we actually stand on that in some way? Like, how do I know that God actually loves me um, and, and, uh, and feels this way about me? Could you help us understand, like, how we get to that place where we can say God loves you in this way?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's, again, I think what you're saying, Chris, is sometimes on the surface, it's it's difficult to just um, believe a claim like that. For some people, they, they believe it right away. You know, they just, they experience God's love. They, they see something in the universe, the way people relate, relate to one another, they understand their deepest need and they need that. For other people, they're kind of like, okay, how does that, how does that make sense for me? Yeah. And I think, I think the best that you can, you have to work to help somebody understand the um, full narrative of Scripture mm. um, and, and what this, one, what is the Bible? Um, who is God? And then once you kind of understand those things in proper perspective and you're willing to say, I'm willing to look at Scripture and understand this is God's words, well, you're going to see a narrative where God continually time and time again um, offers up hope and salvation to a people that are denying him. Over and over and over and over again, to the point where even Jesus says, "You know what greater love is than is than is it than this is someone who lays down his life for his friend." And you know, and then you get this yeah. picture where Jesus is dying on the cross. So God comes in the flesh to die on the cross for man. And um, I think I think once if you can understand who God is. And you can see the way that he continually offers up hope, mercy, love for people. That he's justice at his core. Yeah. you're going to um, be forced to respond in one way to say that this is either not real, or that this is what God's like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's another there's another option, and I think that's what Scott's alluding to. You know, with the what did he say? He's a he, something about he's a bad man or he's the god man, I don't remember what he yeah, said. But yeah, something yeah. along those lines yeah. and it was it's kind
0: of the Lord liar lunatic.
1: Yeah, same thing, yeah, like C. S. Lewis put it that way. And I think I think it's again, it's this reality that if we can look at scripture and we can explore um we just heard the story last week of um Someone who is taking a group of people in another part of the world through Scripture, yeah, and where this is not their background, um, they're actually Muslim in background, and yeah. and as they're reading the Scripture with them, um, they're they're looking at it to understand in depth who Jesus is and who God is. Mm-hmm. If you approach it in that way, you're going to find something out about His character, and you're going to find that He's continually offering up grace and mercy in spite of man's failure. Yeah,
2: I love that. I was just thinking like what you said, the whole, the whole narrative of Scripture mm-hmm. and just a couple spots that stick out for me are that, um, that like what you said, that, that no greater love has this, that one would lay down his life for his friend. So Christ did that. Jesus did that. And we see in Colossians that he is the exact representation of the Father. Um, and so all these things that Christ does when he says, you know, my heart is, uh, I am gentle and lowly of heart. Um, and just all the ways throughout his um, his Gospels he's speaking to his people and, and just describing himself he is giving us an exact representation of of the father
0: mm, yeah that's really good I think one thing it brings to mind for me is is just the idea of adoption and how adoption and our justification are related mm-hmm. so if you think about justification like you have like a judge who is looking at you know you know we' we're, we're, we're the one that's that's the uh, the the defendant, right? We right. We've, want, we've done something wrong, and the judge, he's the one that says, um, you know, I'm sending my son to to take the punishment that you deserve, uh, so that I can then set you free. So there's something very cool in, in in that legal justification that takes place. But he doesn't stop there because then you have the adoption portion where it's like the judge comes down from the bench and says, not only do I do I free you, do I, do I justify you? but I would love to just bring you into my home mm-hmm. and I would love for you to be my child yeah. as well. And that says something totally different, you know? Um, and so, and, and this is what God does for us on that individual basis, which I think is just so neat. The next thing that Scott talks about in, in, in this is he, he brings up, um, three points and he, he wanted to, unpack how Jesus knows his sheep, how Jesus will defend his sheep and how Jesus gives his sheep abundant life. And those are his kind of three big points. And one thing that really stood out in the first point, this knowing the sheep idea is that as we, as God knows us, we are, uh, and, and, and we are this, this sheep that are dumb and all, as <laughs> he gives all the illustration of like, of how, how crazy sheep are and all the things that they do that are just stupid and silly. Um, but we are utterly dependent on God for so much, like for so many things. Um, What happens, do you think when we place our dependency on, on something or someone who is also dependent, like, like if we, if we're putting our, our dependency in something else other than God, um, what happens at that point? What are we risking at that point? And, And why does that seem to, to, to break down and fail us?
2: That's a good question. Um, the, the obvious answer is that they're going to fail us, and we are going to be let down. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's just bitterness that grows over and over again in us whenever we do that. Um, and and I, I really appreciated the illustration of um, Scott saying that when we don't put our, our trust in the, um, the good shepherd, Christ, and we put them in earthly shepherds, Mm-hmm. Um, that we are going to be disappointed because they cannot provide for us. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I would say even even the best attempting, you know, let's say there's a mentor in your life who's a Christ follower. You know, you put all your hope in them and their teaching, and yeah. one or two things are going to happen. They're literally going to die one day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's guaranteed, so they mm-hmm. won't always be there for you. Or two, they're going to fail. Either way, they're they're not the source of peace that's offered in Christ. They're right. not... Um, And this gets us back to what we were talking about last week, which is this idea of transcendence is we need to have a source that's outside of this world (laughs) to guide us. And, and so I think, I think for me, it's just even example after example, like you may, you may even run after life in a way and achieve what you're looking for um, in some perspective, but you'll never fully gain what you need, right? You'll never fully gain what you want. I mean, we see Jeff Bezos, he just, he just retired you know why? Because he said it's really hard to be the CEO of Amazon and he has all these other things he wants to do and he can't do those things and do this. Yeah. This is this is I mean the what the second richest man in the world, richest man in the world right now. We've gone through this the a couple second times. Yeah, you know, we've gone man through this the it, yeah. second richest man yeah. in the world. And and and, <laughs> and again running I mean I mean running after money, building a business. I don't want to simplify his aims and his goals. Yeah. But he's even saying having all those things he can't accomplish the things that he wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I think our efforts are always going to be futile to try to gain what we want on this side of heaven fully, Mm -hmm. outside of the peace that's offered in Christ.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So thinking about the way the things that we try to maybe put our dependency in, you know, so like whether it's money, whether it's our career, um, climbing up the corporate ladder, you know, (laughs) things like that. We put our dependency sometimes in our spouse. We, you know, we kind of put our hope in our spouse sometimes. That then. They fail us mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, that, and then our whole world comes crashing down um, sometimes it 's even in our kids um, and that's um, that 's problematic, puts a lot of pressure on our kids in, in, in some ways um, How do we stop that like how do we keep our dependency on God and and really at the forefront of our minds and our hearts what What, what sorts of things do you guys do to kind of keep God right like right there at the front like you are my source you are the uh, the one that i 'm dependent on mm-hmm
2: I think one of the things that has occurred to me in the last week is not necessarily like a, this is a step that I do on the daily, but it, it was me realizing that um, the leaders and the people around me that I look to for for value or feedback or whatever cannot restore me. And so when I'm in a, a, a mode of like, I, I've realized my sin and my brokenness, um, I cannot attain restoration from these people even if they were to like forgive me or you know yeah. to set things right there because ultimate restoration comes from Christ and so I'm not going to feel fully set free unless I put that in him.
0: Right, right.
2: Um I know that isn't exactly what you were asking but that was No, an I think aspect. that's
0: really good cuz when the when you have your your hope all let let's let's say it your hope is in your spouse or something like right. that. And you're looking to them for that kind of restoration and peace and comfort and, yes. and hope and all that sort of stuff. And then you're just like, wait a minute, how come I'm not experiencing that? How come I'm not getting that from here? And then it's it's soul crushing yeah. Yeah. at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I was going to say for me, as you were talking, Chris, I was thinking about um, just just some of the ways I've, I'm reading passages of um, within the Gospels a little differently. The first one that came to mind was thinking of the Great Commission. Um, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, yeah. um, which literally means baptizing people. You know, yeah. like that's a command, being encouraged to go do that. But but it's also symbolic of welcoming people into this immersive life and this relationship with the Triune God. Nice um, word there, immersive. Yeah, well, and, well, well, Not only because it's because it's it's a picture of baptism. You know, mm-hmm. being being placed under water. But also, it's this continually um, dipping yourself in the things of God, and so that's coming before God in Scripture. That's prayer. That's orienting your entire life around this mission. Yeah, baptism is symbolic, um, but it also represents for us kind of what our life's supposed to look like in God. Every time we see a baptism, we should be reminded of our relationship with God. Yes, and so I think I think for me, um, if you're not immersing your life in the things of God, you're probably immersing your life in other things and you're denying um, your understanding of yourself, kind of this spirit-flesh dichotomy that we talk about sometimes. Yeah. And in your flesh, you're going to be formed more into those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an author, and I really like the way he says it. He says, this is why we see so many 80-year-olds that are like some of the best godly people in the, in the world, and this is why we see some that just, frankly, they're awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? He said it's because what are they immersing themselves in for their entire life? Yeah. You're going to become something. Um, and we talked a little bit about sanctification, how it's not just a progressive line straight up, and it's not something that's fully accomplished. But, right. but you're you're slowly forming into the image of God as you immerse yourself in the things of God. If you don't, um, God will still grow you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't affect your standing before God, but you're likely going to be coming, becoming something else at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. I think we miss that. What mm-hmm. we immerse ourselves in will form us into something.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it matters. Mm-hmm. It matters what we're... What we're putting our minds and 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 our hearts into mm-hmm. throughout our life, mm-hmm. for sure. What's interesting too is, I mean, and Scott, he said that one of the things that we are dependent on is that we need the shepherd to tell us the truth about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he really focused on our own brokenness in the in, in in the middle of that 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 we are not believing the the lie that the world is telling us that we are essentially good people and things like that, but that we are listening to our shepherd and saying, "Look, you're, you, I love you," and and mm-hmm. and and. I delight in you, but you're also sheep and, 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 and even as sheep that we do things wrong. Like we, we are broken and, um, and, and all of that. And one of the things that you brought up here, Mitch is, is one of the things that he said as well, that, uh, what Scott said is as long as we are here, uh, as long or as long as we are alive, we're never going to arrive is mm-hmm. the way that he put it. And, and the idea there is that we will never actually get to a place of complete sanctification here on this earth. We will never get to a place of sinless perfection Mm -hmm. while we are here on this earth. Um, how do we know this? I mean, and and I I just want to maybe unpack this just for a minute because there's some Bible teachers out there that actually say that you can achieve sinless perfection. So, so how do we kind of come to a place where it's like, Oh no, actually you can't like, (laughs) uh, can, can you guys help us sort of unpack how, how we arrive at that conclusion?
1: So the first thing I was going to say, and I wish I would have done a little bit more study coming into this, but we just don't see this to be true um, for the narrative of the people mm-hmm. of God even within Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you know, exactly. Paul, we don't know a lot about his thorn in the flesh, but we we continually to see it always come up. It's not something that's overcame. Yeah. Um, you, you also, you see constant struggles within the body of believers in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. see people that... Fully committed to God, selling everything they have, but doing it for the wrong reason. Um, you go to the Old Testament; you see people selling their wives and their daughters into slavery long after they are believing. <laughs> you know, and God, so, so, and these are the leaders of nations. Um, you see, you know, David's relationship with all of his children are pretty bad until the last one. You know, you just you, ne- you over and over and over again. You just you see people that are people of God, meaning that they they're trusting in Him, but they're never. Um, <laughs> they're never fully complete, and they're never meant to be. Yeah, you know, they're never sinless. Paul's um, a great example because
0: yeah. um, he even writes. This is Philippians three twelve. Um, he's in. Remember, so this is kind of nearing the end of his life in, mm-hmm. in some ways. He's in prison. He's in, uh, uh, and he's writing to the Philippians. And he says in Philippians three twelve, he says, "Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ, uh, Christ Jesus has made yeah. me His own." So he's admitting like, I have not arrived. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not there, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: So I that's think good. we don't see it in scripture. And then I think the second thing is like, look at your own life. Ask anybody around you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the other thing I'd say. Like, find me, example. Yeah. Find me an example of someone that, that doesn't get some sort of gain by teaching this way. You know, so don't give me the totally. teacher. But find me, you know, someone who is living their life in a way they're older in life and they feel like they've arrived.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I actually heard a guy teach this not too long ago. He said, "He uh, what did he say? He's like, um, I have not, he, he was preaching, right? Mm-hmm. And he said, I have not sinned in the last five years is what he said.
2: Awesome. And,
0: I, and at the time I was thinking, <laughs> Well, I think you just blew it, dude. Totally.
2: Because, <laughs> yeah, that probably
1: was it right there. Because that's a lie. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I mean, I, I, mean, I talked to JC's 100-year-old grandma, and she'll tell you about the things she's struggling through, the things she's wrestling with, the yeah. doubt in her mind. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. It, I mean, and I'm not saying it's a 100-year-old. There's more of them in the world. But yeah. I'm just yeah. saying I've not found a lot of them. Yeah. So-
2: well, I think that what you said first, that the shepherd um, is the one who helps us realize ourselves. Um, and tells us yes. the truth about ourselves is that we're looking at a holy God and we're comparing ourselves to a holy God over and over again and seeing that we fall flat. There's right. no comparison. Yeah. Um, and who, was it Isaiah who is undone by, mm-hmm. by how unclean he was? Yeah. And if we don't remind ourselves over and over of that, I think what Scott was saying is that we start to think, better of ourselves than truly we are. Yeah. And uh, that's a bad place to be.
0: Totally. Well, let's dig into that just for a second. Why might it be a mercy to us that we do not arrive in this life? Why might, why might that actually be a good thing?
2: Because this isn't it, right? <laughs> this isn't it. We are, we are heading toward a goal, and the goal becomes so much more sweet when we've persevered through the entire lifetime of, of – um, just walking out our salvation, yeah. with never arriving. Now,
1: yeah. I just think there is no there is no reliance apart from. Uh, sorry, there there is no arrival without reliance on God. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, I just I I, I I guess it's like it's a mercy in the sense that at the moment I thought I relied, I wouldn't I I arrived. Goodness. The moment that I thought I arrived, I would not be any longer relying on the source that actually right. matters. And it's I good. and I think that's what, so as Ariel was talking, the perspective that you gave, I think is a perspective we need to have as we're thinking about non-Christians and we're trying to share the gospel with them too. Okay. Uh-huh. This as much applies on the back end as it does on the front end, that um, we need the spirit of God to work in our lives to grow us in his likeness. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think even as we're talking earlier and I'm encouraging that we need to show someone the entire narrative of scripture. Well, they need to have an interaction with this, with the Spirit of God, <laughs> yeah. know, as they're yeah. reading through the Scripture too. Because the reality is, if I come before somebody, I was listening to a guy say this on a podcast last week. He actually did come to Christ from kind of a evangelistic movement. Okay, but he was saying, like thinking back, um, the people that were around him, he gets handed this pamphlet and it talks about, you know, this guy died um, and he rose again and he's still living. And we drink his blood now and we dump ourselves in water to like, and he's like, his roommates are like, you're insane. It's a cult. He's like, it's a cult. You're insane. Now the reality is that like Christianity is not a cult. It's not insane, but without the spirit of God working in you, you know, as you're understanding these things, as you're working to understand this narrative of God, you're going to constantly be at battle with your flesh. And so I think it's a good reminder on the front and in the back. end. we don't, I don't I don't talk to people anymore, you know, and they tell me something about some struggle they have going on in their life or, you know, they got hammered last night and I'm like, "Well, they can't they can't receive the gospel of God." Mm-hmm. Because frankly, those things don't matter. Right. Yeah. Like like those things don't define them now and they don't define them later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What matters is, you know, a holy God working in their life. You know, for them mm-hmm. through the gospel message, and so I just say that it matters as much on the back end that you know we're trusting in God for mercy every day, as much as it is on the front end that there's nobody that's any that's too far gone, and their actions are never the thing that we need to look at. Kind of as you're saying, mm-hmm. to be like, mm, I don't know if they can they can receive this. It's like because that's not defining. Yeah. yeah, you know, no matter if it's the front end or the back end. Yeah.
2: So I've been reading John Flavel, which is a Puritan pastor, mm-hmm. which has been my first encounter with the Puritans, but um, he has a sermon on um, how Christ provides the ability for us to encounter this. He first opens our mind to the scriptures, and then the Spirit is the one who who enlightens us even further. So it's like, you're right, what you're saying is that it's like a two aspect thing that has to happen, Mm -hmm. both relied on by Christ, like the work of Christ has to do both things.
1: Yep and and I mean I preached a message recently you know within the past year that was on we why we must go was mm-hmm. why it was titled I mean, we, we are to share the gospel with people, but don't mistake ourselves that our words are paired with the working of the spirit in somebody's yeah, exactly. life and in our ministry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's, it's, we, we have to be aware of this that like falling on deaf ears, it's just going to seem using so many weird words today. It's going to seem like folly. <laughs> like that's what it's going to seem like to yeah. somebody, but with the work of Christ, it could dramatically change their life. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when you're, you know, 95 years old, that's still the truth, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, in yeah. your flesh, you can do nothing. Right. Yeah. That's good.
0: Well, let's talk about Scott's dog for a second.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a <man>. joke. <laughs> he loves that dog. Yeah? If you've ever been around him with that dog, I mean, he loves What's dog. so oh, cool. funny
2: is that I don't believe that he was uh, super excited about getting a dog. Really, but perhaps the dog has won him over. I don't know. I just remember. I mean, I know when
1: people watch his dog, like they're sending him pictures, and he loves it. And (laughs) I've ran into him on a Friday where he's like taking the dog around, like it's like in the back of his truck. Nice. When he's at home, the dog's always yeah. He loves that dog. That's awesome. And his name's Cooper. And and here's the deal. I'll, I'll get you not a book of your choice, but a book that a good book. If you can tell me why his dog's name's Cooper. Uh oh. On this next. Anybody that listens to this podcast? Wow, I don't think I know that. Am I tell in the me on for Sunday why
2: <laughs> <laughs> he felt like Cooper Manning was being left out. <clears throat> I don't know. No, nope. tell me
1: on Sunday oh. what the name of why his dog is named Cooper, and I will buy you oh. a good book that we'll talk about based off what you want to read, what you want to read. Game about, on, game on. I love it.
0: Cooper. Okay, cool. Well, um, he brought up he brought up Cooper because he talked about the limits of what you would do for an animal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The limits of what you'll do for your pets and things like that. Um, And I think it might be important here to to look at a little bit more of a bigger biblical context as to this whole idea of sheep and shepherds and things like that. Back in the Old Testament, um, the the prophets began to talk about the people uh, like the the, the priests and the the teachers of the law of the Old Testament um, in Israel as being shepherds but as being like terrible shepherds, I mean, people that were not doing the job that they were called to do. Um, Ezekiel 34 is probably um, the place that makes the most sense um, just looking at this. And there's a number of other other passages, but starting in verse 1, there's, there's this whole indictment on these, these bad shepherds, how they've been feeding themselves and clothing themselves and not seeking after the lost sheep of Israel and all this sort of stuff. And so then here's what, this is just what's crazy, is um, this is Ezekiel 34, starting at verse 11. Listen to what God says. He says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep, that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the, uh, from the peoples and gather them from the countries and uh, will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places uh, of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, on and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. It sounds like Psalm 23 in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But listen to this. He says, uh, again, verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares uh, the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them uh, in justice is what he says. I will feed them in justice, <laughs> mm-hmm. not, not injustice. Um <laughs> This is an incredible prophecy where God is, is, you know, in this indictment on the people who he had called to be the, the shepherds. He's like, no, look, you guys are terrible. You guys are doing a terrible job. You're done. I'm going to come down and do it myself. Mm-hmm and this point's man this point's directly to Jesus. So when we get to John chapter 10 and Jesus says I am the good shepherd, I would imagine that the people have Ezekiel 34 ringing in their ears at this point. They're like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. this is this is Yahweh coming down and being the good shepherd to us."
2: Mm-hmm. I think this passage, I don't know if you want to go here yet, but it really it. it really informs the um the thing that Jesus says about I have other flocks that you don't know about. Mm. And I just was the curious. about aliens. Is it? Yeah. It, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about it? Because
0: I saw this thing on the History Channel one time.
1: <laughs> we do not have a stance on aliens on our website. So you know. We don't. We don't define that as a central issue.
2: <laughs> That's true. Yes. But what do you think Jesus is talking about there in, yeah. in John 10?
0: Well, Totally. So, I mean, I, I think ultimately this is getting to the Gentiles.
2: I yeah. think so too. This is getting yeah.
0: to, like, there are...
2: I set you up for that. I think I felt like I knew yep. the answer. Yeah, lob, 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 and lob, lob to... lob <laughs> 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 they
1: teed you up again. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. Go. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so this is, uh, where is this? In John 10, um, verse 16, he says, I, "'And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice.'" Uh, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. And this one flock, one shepherd line, I think, is the key to understanding that because um, this echoes back again to Ezekiel chapter 37 mm-hmm. where you see the the that God is prophesying here that he's going to bring together the scattered northern kingdom of Israel mm-hmm. and the... Uh, and, and then the tribe of Judah, which is now in an exile, yeah. and in that returning, they're going to become one nation again, and 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 that's essentially what's happening here with the bringing together of the Jews and the Gentiles, yes, all together. Yes, because
2: so, right. little backstory: Northern Kingdom ended up being like Samari- the, the Samaritans, and right? all the all the Gentile folks scattered, yeah, everywhere. Yeah,
1: Chris, I thought that was great when you said Northern. I was a little worried you were going to say North America and start going into the you know, Mormon route of it. Oh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. No,
2: that's for a yeah, different so, day. Yeah. So yeah, it's day. not
1: about it's, it's again, it, it's don't, don't think beyond the Gentiles. I think is the interpretation <laughs> that, that we're, yeah. that we're not lobbying for. I think that's a pretty sound interpretation. Yeah, Let's yeah. just say that. That's yeah. a
2: good fulfillment of what all of the old Testament is pointing toward.
1: Yes, Yeah.
0: Definitely. Now, what happens here in John 10 is Jesus begins to give this contrast between the hired hand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or even earlier, he talks about the thief. And Scott unpacked that these are the religious leaders. These are the bad shepherds that Ezekiel's talking about that don't really care about the sheep. Um, but Jesus doesn't just live for the sheep. He dies for the sheep. In other words, what Scott said, there's no limit to his love for us, so how does this love of God make a real difference in the way that we live every day? I mean, what? I guess I would ask, like, what blessings does the love of God assure us of, and how does that actually change the way we live?
2: I wasn't prepared for that because I was thought I was thinking we were going to go to like, why is there a limit for how we, how much we love our pets, and what would be the difference between? God's love for humanity and saving his own and um our limit to what we would do for an animal mm. I don't know I, but that that seems like it might take us off topic too much
0: no i think I think that's good why why is that then what what's the difference
2: Well, I think it goes all the way back to um Genesis, and I think that we see that after God creates man and after the fall um he then after noah gives a mandate that there's there's basically a price on the head of anyone who kills a human that's right um and sets them apart it's basically G- Genesis from, 9. from his from his created animals yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's tough to because in our culture there's such a a, a mixing of oh, different we ideas love with animals. this. Right, yeah, totally. we do,
2: and I think that's a good thing. I think that comes out of the love that the, the father has given us in, in the imago day is that we have this this care for his creation, mm-hmm. um, and that's a great thing. But when it comes down to like choosing between a human life and an animal right. life, we see in Genesis nine, the value a there is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, that's good.
2: Just a little side. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But yeah, I mean, how might this, this unlimited love of God actually change the way we live? To tee this up, let me read Romans 8, uh, verses 31 and 32. Check this out. He says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things?
2: If we were to look at the book of James, um, we see that as recipients of grace and of the law of liberty, which is basically the replacement for the the law that that God has ordained from the beginning um, that convicts us of our sin, we now live under the law of liberty that Christ has fulfilled the law for us perfectly and that we are set free um, through him. Um, And that is an act of mercy to us as well. Um, and so, in chapter Two in James, he talks about um, James uh, talks about just that that liberty we've been given and that mercy we've been given is really something that needs to spill out of us now as we walk forward and walk out our salvation is, you know, give mercy. don't think, don't think um judgment thoughts about others. Give them the mercy that you have received. Um, and I think that's a really good picture of. Of the love of God and how that should spill out of us mm-hmm. um, in one one particular way is just to to uh, not be the judge of um, condemnation for others according to the law. That's that's the Lord's job, but to um, to provide mercy that we've been given. Yeah,
1: I just think I, I think it provides a, a, just an anchor for your life um, that there's. You know, it, once you, once you are free to understand that you you don't have to chase after the things of this world, you can rest in God's goodness. And I think, if I were to try to pick a word to say what our what our spirits long for, it's probably rest and peace more than anything else. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that's provided in God um, that. We no longer have to look at the circumstances around us and think that they define us um, in the now or in the eternal sense. And and that all comes from the perspective of understanding that God has a love for us, that he is just, that he is merciful, that we can trust that he is who he says he is, that he sacrificed for us in a way that no one else would. Um, And I think once we understand that, um, then we live out of response to that, and so that's why I really love the mission of our church because I think it's a picture of this. I think it's as we belong into the family of God, as we're becoming like Christ, we move beyond ourselves and welcome other people into do the same, mm-hmm. meaning that we're motivated by God's love because it's it almost provides, as we say, you know, we did the middle school camp retreat, gospel lenses. Yeah. It's like it's like we're seeing the world clearly for the first time. And now this is how we live. We we orient our life around the fact that God loves us. Yeah. And it just changes it changes your whole perspective.
0: Absolutely. And what evidence it is to mm-hmm. go back and say, Wow, our God sent his son and laid down his life for us and, in that way. Mm-hmm. Like the the reality of that, I mean letting that alone just sink in. Mm-hmm. Um is unfathomable. Like we, I don't know. So, so one of the classes that we teach here is called the story of scripture. And in there we talk about when Abraham is called to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Mm -hmm. And the first question that always comes up is how could a father possibly ever do that? Like, how could a father like take their son and and be, he seems totally okay with it. Like he's taking him up the mountain, ready to slaughter him and everything. and, And it's like, what? It's Just nuts. But that's the point. Like the point is is that we should react that way. And we should react that way when we consider that God the Father sent his son to die for us. How could he do that? Well, it's because he loved you. He really loved you that much to be able to do that. Um, what an assurance. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening today. Uh, hopefully today was was helpful, especially as we just reflect on the love of God for you today. Uh, again, if you have questions about this, please reach out to us. We would love to talk with you about the love of God and how the love of God actually motivates us towards lo- the love of uh, that we would love God as more and that we would love others more. So next week, we're going to be jumping into our third session in the I Am series. Can't wait for that. And we will see you guys then on the Sunday recap.